Welcome to Labor, Labor Day weekend at MRCC. You guys are all the smart people that looked at the weather forecast and you're like, it says sunshine, but it's Washington. So you decided to come to church. What a good day to be in church. Amen? Amen. Come on. Well, if you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Tyler. I'm the youth pastor here at MRCC. And so I get to hang out with a bunch of kids, except for this past month. It has been a month of no youth, and that is because our leaders need a break from your kids. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Kind of. You know, I have uh, some students that uh, like to text me at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you think I'm kidding. I'm not. There's like six of them, and they're all like, when's youth coming back? And I'm like... Ah, pay attention to the announcements, children. No, uh, September 6th, that's what I tell them. And uh, they still don't um, comprehend that and retain it. So they text me again more and more and more. And uh, it's one of those fun things that I get to deal with as a youth pastor, but I absolutely love it uh, because it is a joy to serve your students here at MRCC. It's a joy to to serve students across the Northwest. Uh, Speaking of things that are happening, uh, September 6th, this Wednesday is our back-to-school bash. It is from kindergarten to fifth grade is our Impact and Forged. They're going to be starting at 5 p.m. We're going to have pizza and inflatables. And then youth is going to be 6.30 to 8 p.m. We're in here in the sanctuary um, and we're going to do all of the pizza and inflatables and everything afterwards because uh, we are excited to be back. Uh, those same kids that have been texting me at 3 a.m., uh, they, tell me, they tell me that they miss me. And I don't know how true that is, but I do know that our leaders miss our students, and I know that I miss our students. And so we are excited to be back this Wednesday. All of our normal youth and kids activities are starting, so we hope to see you then. Also coming up, On September 11th is our women's ministry kickoff. And so that's a time to just come together as women of MRCC just to see all of the different uh, ministries we have here for ladies at MRCC. That is from 6.30 to 8. It's going to be here in the sanctuary. It's just an opportunity to see what we have going on. There's a lot of small groups. There's a lot of Bible studies, all sorts of stuff uh, that are happening. And uh, this is where you get to find out where you can get plugged in. If you're a guy or somebody who's like, I'm already plugged in in certain places, but I want to get involved in a different way, uh, there's an opportunity for you to serve or join a small group. Out in the foyer, there's a table. Pastor Brent or myself are going to be there. And uh, we have all of the information that we know, but there's people that know way more information than us, uh, about the different groups and the different teams that you can join here at MRCC. If you don't have the opportunity to stop by the table or there's a bunch of people there, you can take out your phone and you can scan the barcode on the seat back in front of you. Or you can take out the physical connect card, fill it out. You can either drop it. Uh, at the guest center or at that table. But we are excited here at MRCC for uh, what God has for us, what God has in this next season. Uh, We're super excited, and we just want anyone and everyone to get involved here. We're not going to sell your information or anything like that, uh, but it is an opportunity to serve and uh, just get more connected here at MRCC. Pastor Greg is back in Washington State from Dorkfest. 
You think I'm kidding? He said, uh, I, I picked him up from the airport yesterday, and he's like, I said, did you win? And he was like, oh, we didn't finish. And I was like, you spent a week playing a board game, and you still didn't finish. That is how intense these board games are. Uh, and so he's tired from that. I'll let you figure that one out. Uh, but uh, so he is taking an extra day of rest. And so this morning we have Pastor Dave bringing the word this morning. Um, I didn't, I said I wasn't going to do it, but I'm just going to do it. I have a nice nickname for Dave. And so you can call him this. We call him Beefcake. I'm, yeah, you think I'm kidding? He's like the strongest, like awesome, most awesome person uh, on staff at MRCC. So uh, give it up for Dave. <laughs> It's a long story how I got that name. I want to, <clears throat> this morning before we get going, I want to I just linger kind of in communion and worship through prayer. And so if you'll close your eyes with me, we're just going to speak to our Father. <clears throat> Father God, this morning we just come into your presence and we think about your mercy and your grace that was poured out on the cross for us and how communion brings us in touch with that. And Lord, we, we come sometimes to communion feeling pretty prideful. Sometimes we come feeling like we're the most worthless thing on the earth. And Lord, you, your son Jesus instituted the ordinance of communion because we forget so quickly. We forget so easily. And so he created that reminder that would always help us draw us into that moment to recognize your gift of salvation, the fact that you gave him on the cross so that we could be free. And so we are so thankful for that this morning. I pray that you just open our hearts up this morning, that you make us ponder important things. We ask for your blessing in our time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So my message this morning is somewhat of a journey of my own. Back in April, <clears throat> I... Uh, was up skiing one day at Crystal, and I just kind of pulled over to the side of the slope, and I, and I shot this video. And I'll just share this video with you because this message has kind of come out of, out of that video. That, that's the root of where I started. And so I just want to share this with you. Check out the screen. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> it's my last day skiing up here at Crystal for 2023. And as I was riding around on the lift this morning, I was thinking about blessings and being blessed. And uh, I'm going to pan around here a little bit and just kind of try to get a, a video perspective of this place. But anyway, I was thinking about how, how much of a blessing 
how lucky I've been in my life to, to be able to be here, make this mountain my home for, uh, for 33 years. And I was able to work in the ski school here for 25 of those years. Got to ski with some of the best skiers and teachers on the planet over all those years. And a little bit of it rubbed off on me. And so I've been able to ski at a pretty high level over the years and still can at 61. But anyway, I was just thinking about, you know, God created all this for our enjoyment, but more for the purpose of us being able to see him in nature and be drawn to him. And he is the father who gives the perfect gift. And if you're a skier, this is the perfect gift, you know? And the thing is that all these blessings, you know, in an instant, we can lose our freedom. We can, we can lose the things that we love in a blink of an eye. And so often we walk through our life kind of taking all this for granted and, and not really you know, thanking God and, and, and giving him the credit for, for providing all these things for us. You know? And then they're gone. And so I was just kind of thinking about that on the lift this morning. And I just thought I wanted to share that with you. Hope you have a great day. There's still a little bit of season left. And, but I got another chapter opening up. And so this is kind of my last day. So I'm just trying to enjoy it. See you later. Bye. So this message this morning is about Thanksgiving. But before I get into Thanksgiving, I want to take a moment and I want to dwell on the word dwelling or dwell. We think of a dwelling as a place we live, a place of comfort, a place of protection, a sanctuary, if you will. <clears throat> This sanctuary that we're in right now is the house of the Lord. He's here with us right now, present with his people. Psalms 23.6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Dwelling in the house of the Lord forever should not be a future event. It should be something that I strive to achieve now and, and continue all the way into eternity. I should seek to move towards my father and avoid drifting away from my father. I desire to dwell with God in every moment of my day, recognizing his work, his blessings, all the contact that he brings into my life on a daily basis. And I want to recognize it right there in the moment. John 5, 17, <clears throat> Jesus is speaking and he says, my father is always at work. To this very day, and I too am working. 
The implication in this scripture is that Jesus is working side by side with his father. There is always a connection. There is always, they are always close together. Dwelling with God is a really tall order for me, I feel. In my human state, I just, I have so many things that kind of get in the way, yet it's something I, I want to strive towards. You know, the good news here is despite the fact that I drift away and I get distracted, God never does. He never leaves me. He's always present. He's always with me. And that's good news. So growing up as followers of Christ means that we're, we should always be striving to close the gap, to close the distance, to be nearer to our Father. Thanksgiving is a state of mind. One of my favorite pictures in the entire Bible is the early Acts church. What I'd like to do is I'd like to have you close your eyes for a moment and envision this picture. In Acts 2, 44 through 47, it says, and all those who believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling their possessions and property, property and possessions, and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. So in other words, they had all things in common. They had common goals, common thinking, common focus, common attitudes. And they were praising God and having gladness. Praising and gladness are byproducts of having a thankful heart, of being in a state of thanksgiving. And so here you have them practicing this, and, and there's people on the periphery who are looking, and they're, and they're going, what are they doing? Why are they different? I want part of that. I want to know how that works. And as a result of all these things, they were, they were drawing people. The Holy Spirit was drawing people into their community, and the church was growing. First Chronicles 16, 23 to 26 says this, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works, among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and he is to be feared above all gods. When we set our hearts on drawing near to our Father by being thankful for what he's done, 
we begin to dwell closer to him. And, and as we dwell closer, we are going to be transformed. We're going to be changed. Our hearts and minds, our thinking is going to be changed. One of the things I, one of the reasons I wanted to linger a little bit in that prayer was because the act of worship, when we take time to worship those three, those four songs, we enter into an experience, into a spiritual experience where we are grateful, where we recognize what God has done for us where our hearts well up with thanksgiving. Hopefully the same happens when we're in communion. We recognize the reality of that moment, that gift that God gave, the cost of that gift, and how I should respond to that. Frankly, worship draws us into this place of thankfulness and it, and it forces me to meditate on, on all the things that are involved in that. God's mercy, his greatness. The fact that I don't deserve anything other than death, yet he still pours out and lavishes upon us. And it makes me think about how I should respond to that. Colossians 3.14 through 17. It says, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanksgiving is this extremely powerful agent to growth and change. Being in a spirit of thanksgiving activates my life for the kingdom. I have this friend <clears throat> from many years ago. We had lost touch over the years. And he, I invited him to go fishing with me one time. And so we're out there and we're not having the best morning. It's rough. It's windy. It's we just can't seem to do what we want to do. And for just kind of out of out of just nowhere else to go, we ended up in kind of this little place out of the way. And over the next hour, hour and a half, we had eight doubles on Chinook. I mean, it was it was ridiculous what was going on there. And we had these four or five boats that were around us, and they couldn't catch them. And, and I can't tell you to this day what we were doing different, but it was a fishing clinic, okay? Now, but that's not, that's not the part that, that I want to focus on. The part that I want to focus on was that every time we got that fish in the net, 
my friend David would go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I never heard so much thank you, Jesus, in such a short period of time. But here's the thing. I found myself going, I want to be like that. I want to be in the moment. I want to recognize God's blessing. I want to recognize that he's lavishing on me right then and there. You know, when, when somebody gives you a gift, you thank them right then and there. Yet, how often do we take God's gifts for granted? How often do I take God's gifts for granted? You know, subconsciously, I know where his gifts come from. I know that deep in my heart. There's just not enough. I feel like I need to recognize that right then and there. You know, I don't want to go, oh, hour later. Yeah, by the way, God, thank you for that, that gift you just gave me. Or a day later or, or a week later, you know. I want to remember it right then and there. I want that connection in the moment. Thanksgiving, when things are great. We're all creatures of habit. Good, good habits and bad habits. We're incredibly intuitive. I was actually thinking about bringing a fly rod this morning and, and throwing loops while I was talking to you to, to kind of paint a picture. But I figured uh, I'd probably get tangled up in one of the lights or something, so I didn't do it. But, but we have this ability to do a lot of things. And, and we have this ability to do those things without having our mind fully in the moment. You know, the, you know in, the, in the computer age, multitasking became this word that, that everybody understood as doing a lot of things and not having to pay attention to any one thing too deeply, you know? And, and so that's one of the, that's one of the things that kind of happens just when we, when, when things are going good, we get in this rhythm, you know? We just go, we just go, we just go. I believe that, I believe that the season of everything can be really detrimental to our spiritual growth. These seasons frequently are accompanied by busyness, distraction, pride in my own accomplishments. My focus may be more on more temporal things. We tend to be distant in our connection to our Father. This can be a time when I take God for granted a lot, and things for granted. And the danger is, is that God is our provider for everything. Okay? We tend to get in this autopilot mode, if you will, where, where we're just not conscious of detail, but we just check this, that, this, that. Our mind bounces around. And, and that can be dangerous. My uh, my wife and I, a number of years ago, were out at Swiftshire Bank, which is 15 miles off of Nia Bay, <clears throat> and we were fishing out there, and we were, we were picking up our gear to run back to the east, and she says to me, is that boat going to turn? And I looked up, 
and there was a big bay liner bearing down on me. And I had about 10 seconds to start jumping up and down and yelling. The guy swerved at the last minute, but he hit our back corner of our boat, and it put a big gouge in his boat. But when the Coast Guard found him on the docks, he said, I had the autopilot on, and I had stepped away from the helm. You see, that can be really dangerous in everyday life, but it can be really dangerous spiritually as well. Thanksgiving, a heart of thanksgiving, turns the autopilot off. It, it makes me say, wait a minute. How did I get here? Who got me here? And what should I be doing with the blessing that I just received? Personally, I'm, I'm kind of guilty of thinking I'm a good fisherman or a good turkey hunter. And, and the reason is, is because I'm dedicated to it. I, I practice my craft. I, you know, I, I try to achieve. I work hard at it. But the reality is that God blesses me with the gifts, with the provision to do it, with, with everything that allows me to accomplish that. And it's just so easy for me to forget that he does that. I'm taking God for granted when I don't recognize that it's his gifting. You know, God gives everything and he takes everything. That last breath I took, he gave me that. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 through 12 says, He supplies seed to the sower. The bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Everything God gives us is for another purpose other than my, my own personal wants and needs and enjoyment. There's always another reason that's bigger than what I might think for myself. Being thankful in every, in, in every moment opens my heart to what is the purpose behind the blessing? How do I use it? Why is God giving it to me? How can I be a steward of what he has given us? In our world, we're conditioned to always want more, aren't we? More of this, more of that, a bigger car, a bigger boat, a bigger house. It's just more, more, more. We're just conditioned that way in our world. And the problem with that, there's nothing wrong with wanting stuff, okay? The problem is when we forget to be thankful for what we already have, okay? I, I've wanted a bigger boat for, for a long time. And, but here's the thing, I catch myself sometimes. I, I mid-thought, 
I'll be like thinking, oh, wow, I wish I could have that boat there. What, how'd that guy get that? You know, he's so lucky. And, and then I catch myself and I go, oh, my gosh. God, God has allowed us to go to so many cool places with our boat. He's allowed us to have so many cool experiences, to spend time with so many people, and to catch so many fish, you know? And I need to be thankful for that. And when I really, really think about it, I can't help but say thank you, God. Thank you for, for giving me the boat that I have. I was, I was driving last week, I think it was, down Levee Road. <clears throat> and you know, right now, there's more fishermen in the river than there are fish. You know, they're shoulder to shoulder. I've done that before, by the way. But I found myself going, oh, thank you, God, that I don't have to be out there. You know, it's amazing sometimes the things that the Holy Spirit sends across you, you, you know, to wake you up and, and, and show you appreciation for what you do have. I was just so thankful not to be in that muddy river. Thanksgiving and the seasons of hardship. All of us can agree that we would like to avoid hard times. Trials and tests. Yet hardship oftentimes brings the most spiritual growth. It draws us the nearest to our Father. The length of hardship and the fruit that we see have some correlation with each other. Sometimes it's difficult for me to see the fruit. I have to look harder, and I have to figure out how all the pieces fit together so that I can actually understand the purpose behind it. Romans 5:34 or 5 uh, verse 3 and 4. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. That is so hard to read, isn't it? It is so counterintuitive from what I want. I want my life to be this neat little package where all the pieces fit together real nice and neat. But that's not the way life is. And so that's a struggle when I read that because I, I have to figure out how to put those pieces together. I think of the athletes who commit themselves to trying to win a gold medal in the Olympics. And they get up every day, 10, 12 hours of training, 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 training. You know what? When you're training, how many of you guys work out? Is there any suffering that goes on there? Yeah, pretty much. But these guys, these guys really have to push it, okay? And so they do that day after day, year after year. And honestly, outside of maybe 5% of the people who go to the Olympics, nobody has a chance of winning anything, okay? Maybe a pat on the back. That's all you get. But they somehow, they still find value in the hard work of training. 
and, and they still get something, they receive something from the suffering. James 1, verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For he stood the test, he will receive a crown of life, which God has promised those who love him. Now, it's one thing, you know, to suffer. It's one thing to, to make your body hurt. But what we're talking about in that scripture is spiritual suffering. It's being steadfast in your spirit. And really, at the end of the day, that's the only one that really matters, you know. The Apostle Paul describes hardship in the following way. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received a sentence of death. The Apostle Paul, in that moment, is, they're almost like going, it would be better to be dead than to continue on doing this. I mean, that's suicidal, you know, when, when death seems like a better option than continuing on. And then he goes on and he says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope, and he will continue to deliver us. So in verse 9, the apostle Paul says, hey, the reason this happened it's because we have this tendency to rely on our own strength, on our own skills, on our own resources, and we don't rely on God. And so what he does is he takes us outside of that, our ability to do that, and he puts us in this extremely difficult place where we don't have a choice but to turn to him. And we learn to depend on God. And then he goes on in verse 10, he says, you see this spirit of thanksgiving and this spirit of trust that comes out of that experience that God has delivered us and he will deliver us again. And we are absolutely certain of that, says Paul. So when we're in our, in our moment of deepest anguish, we may ask ourselves, why? What is to be gained from suffering? We frequently find ourselves overwhelmed, overloaded, feeling like the hardship never will end. Our emotions are real. But that does not mean that we're not going to get stronger in time. It does not mean that we're not going to be blessed in time. In, in time, Yes. It does not mean that our faith won't grow in time. And it certainly doesn't mean that we're not going to be more connected to our Father. We will be more connected if we rely on him. 
As Paul reminds us, we tend to run to our Father when the pressure is beyond what we can endure. So we do so because we have nothing left in the gas tank. It's empty. We're out of equity. We're beyond ourselves. And so we cry out to our Father more naturally in our times of need. And, and if you've ever been in that season, you know that you feel really alone. And you feel like nobody else understands. Nobody else knows what you're going through. Yet we're not alone. Because God is with us. He never abandons us. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. <clears throat> he says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. And then I love 16. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That is beautiful because oftentimes, especially when I've brought the thing on that I'm suffering with, I don't want to go to God because I feel so low, I feel so bad about myself, and, and, and I look at myself in the mirror, and I go, I'm a terrible person, and so I don't want to run to God. Yet it says to us, that's exactly what we should do. And so I, I love that scripture because, you know, you just have to go. <laughs> you just have to receive because he wants to bless you. He wants to help you. He wants to strengthen you. I, I find that scripture for myself as a pastor where Paul talks about his suffering. I go, man, when it gets hard for me, I take great, I take great comfort in the fact that Paul suffered. I mean, this dude is like up there, okay? He's like one of the dudes, okay? Yet he suffered so as a minister, when I struggle, when I, when I have hard things that I have to make decisions on, it, his story gives me great comfort. And the fact that Jesus came and understands us, understands our weaknesses, understands everything about us because he walked with us, that is an amazing thing. Because by the way, he's the guy who did the sacrifice. And then out of that, we get to come to our Father because his arms are open. No matter what season we find ourselves in life, we should, we should run to our Father. Thanksgiving in my circumstances. Philippians 4, 11 through 13 the Apostle Paul is writing. He says, I am not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content when, when, whatever my circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret to being content in, every, in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. 
I can do all things, all this through him who him through him who gives us gives me great strength. No matter what season in our lives we find ourselves, if we strive to have a spirit of thanksgiving, that helps us to move towards our Father. It helps us to dwell with our Father. And he renews us and gives us strength for that day and then the next day. Now, that's a challenge when we're suffering, okay? There's no getting around that. And so here we find ourselves in this place where sometimes when things are good, we have to be careful. And then we have this other picture when, when it's difficult. And, and we find ourselves in a sort of different need. And so when things are great, the challenge is that we tend to be self-reliant and more prone to take God's blessings for granted. We are, in short, more connected to our own efforts and our own desires and less connected to the fact that God is always blessing us. You know, the Apostle Paul recognizes that we're only in this season of blessing and this season of suffering for a short time. You know, we live in a world where things can change in a blink of an eye. We can lose everything. And what he's really saying is in those moments where you're suffering, he says, I keep drawing to my father. I keep drawing near to my father. And I develop a spirit of thanksgiving and contentment, even though things are not going very well. And that facilitates, you know, all this blessing that can come from God. He gives us strength. He supernaturally does things that we don't quite understand, yet it, it helps us through that season. I, I was thinking this morning, you know, I didn't tell Weston what, I was, what my message was about. It's like the Holy Spirit just kind of knows what the theme is going to be, right? He brings everybody to that place, and then all the pieces sort of fit together. You know, worship, communion, thanksgiving. I had a guy pray for me this morning in first service, and and he prayed about thanksgiving. I was like, <laughs> the Holy Spirit does amazing things, right? And so God's provision is always working, even though I may not always be able to see it. And sometimes I can't see it when I'm ignoring it, you know? Uh, my closing scripture for today is out of Romans 12. And so, you know, Paul kind of walks through this, this explanation of how you deal with things and how you become content. And then he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. You know, God's mercy is really a, the only thing that matters in life. You know, all this other stuff is stuff. It says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, this, the, the word that jumps out at me is transformed because thanksgiving opens up my heart to being transformed. Thanksgiving is a state of mind that makes me think about all the blessings. Thanksgiving is that place where I realize the depth of God's love, what the cross costs, and, and what all that means helps me to find my purpose. It helps me to grow in my relationship to God. What I'd like to do at this point is just have you stand, and I'm going to close in prayer. Father God, we just come into your presence today. And first off, we're, we are so thankful for communion and, and what that means and, and a reminder. Because honestly, Lord, we, we go out of here sometimes and we don't, we don't think about things deeply. We don't process things. We just go on to the next thing, Lord. And then sometimes, Lord, we're in, we're in that cavern that doesn't have a rope to get out. And we struggle in that. And so, Lord, we just open up our hearts and minds today. We just ask that you would just slow us down enough that we would consider all these things. I think of Mary when it says in, the, in your word, Lord, that that she held these things near to her heart. And Lord, I, I would pray that we would just hold all your blessings and our thanksgiving, Lord, near our hearts. We thank you for your son Jesus and what he means to us. Father, we, we thank you for this time together. I pray that you bless everybody as they go forward through this holiday weekend and then you know, we change gears going into the year, Lord. Be near us, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.